1: Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBag10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBag10. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again.
2: Lean back, lean back, uh-huh. now, lean, back. Uh-huh. lean back, uh-huh. lean back. Uh-huh. do it, damn thing do it. do, it. do it. What you to do, do it. do it. Uh-huh. What you uh-huh. 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 Lean back, do, uh-huh. do it. i thing do it. damn do it, i thing do Stop me now, listen to me now I'm left in 20 rounds And if you want me, then come and get me now Is you with me now, the big, it big, bounce big I know you dig the way I switch my, switch my style Switch my style, switch my style Switch my style Now all these bitches wanna try and be my bestie But I take a life and eat them hanging like a testy yeah. My shoe came crazy, the mental and style for me. You a bookie to me. I'm in that wham band, band, purple lamb damn. bitch, you in up and in. Don't get scared now. Ha! Disturbing the peace. Hey. What? What? Cheap, tear, tear. like feeling like a pimp. Lean back. Lean back. Hey, this is pimp, soup <laughs> by the time by the time turn the thing on now yo let me see everybody do this hey let's go eagles
0: Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> guys, wherever you are just lean back as little John says. Uh you guys welcome to your is it it's Wednesday. Episode of so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am so sorry this is late. What happened was the the dog ate my homework. And, no. Uh I having computer issues. Uh I am having it's you know, let me technically explain this. There are too many um, <laughs> Too many things in my computer and it is causing my computer some issues. So hopefully this one takes. This is gonna be good because this is a great episode, folks. This is kind of a dream episode for me in the in, in the fact that it is a true matchup. Uh, not just the music I like to play, it is a true mashup in terms of guests. And I, I we'll talk about a couple small news items, but also and then Thursday, we're gonna talk to Mr. Rinda Medley. It was such a joy. I think um uh you know, I even, uh, Sandra, actually, who who booked Dorinda, she listened to uh, Dorinda on Danny's podcast and on Two Judgy Girls. Because Dorinda's been making the rounds for her book, which I thought was great. I actually read this book, you guys. I read my first book with my eyes. In the last, you know how I've been listening to audiobooks? I read this one. I was, like, so proud of myself. I was like, holy crap, this opens up a whole new world for me. My eyes still work for reading. You, I know it sounds silly, but I was like... So proud of myself yesterday. Um, so she listened to those, gave me a breakdown on notes, and I try to stay away from everything that they talked about. I think you're going to kind of dig this one because we just, we talk a lot about our families. I talk a lot about the book. I, because I, I actually, so I was, I was like, wanted to show off that I read it. Um, and, you know, just so you know, usually with interviews, uh, I say this, I said this on the Patreon because I released a Patreon yesterday, kind of behind the scenes of what's been going on. And they usually give you things that you have to stay away from. And I couldn't ask anything about current Real Housewives of New York drama. And I don't think there really is any current Real Housewives of New York drama. No, um, that's what I want to talk about here in a second. But I just want to say uh, it was just such a joy. And we ended up laughing so much. And it's what these shows fool you into doing is that you think that you know these people. And that's kind of cool in a way because I really started off of like, oh, it's just, it's Dorinda. Like I was so nervous and then Dorinda came on and I was like, oh, it's Dorinda. It's Dorinda. We I've hung out so much with Dorinda already. And it was just great. We ended up laughing so much and she told me to tell my mom hi and I'm going to have to explain to my mom who Dorinda is now. And it was just so fun. Oh, and by the way, today, you guys, last day for the Tom Girardi auction, uh, we're winning a couple items. So we'll see what happens Uh, it's any, it's any man's guess at this point, but I did notice I was on there last night and a lot of people are making last minute crazy bids and they're driving all these prices up. Um, I'm scared that they're Tom's going to be out of debt by the time this is over. I'm joking. There's no way he owes a hundred million dollars. Um, how are you guys? Are you guys good? I'm so sorry that I screwed up your... Not that you guys care that I release a pod every day, but it is something that I'm very proud of, so I'm sorry if I uh, upset anybody. Oh, I know everybody's pretty chill and, and a very nice podcast audience, but just in case. Um, okay, I want to get into the Roni rumors, but I also want to tell you who's on the podcast today. So we got a mashup. I talked about last week that I saw this Netflix documentary... Uh, called cocaine cowboys uh my friend Danielle Hollaback cards uh, who is just amazing you got to go follow her if you don't and buy all her stuff cuz she just kind of i think she's a genius with her art and really super funny and cool um but she she watches this thing and said you got to watch this thing and I talk about that with this guy I love how I love how we in today's world Tell each other how to watch things, you know, I think it's one of the best things about a show actually catching on fire, you know, or getting in the public's consciousness. And I did and I couldn't stop watching this thing. Cocaine Cowboys, a six part Netflix docuseries, and it was just so good. And I wanted to talk to this dude, Billy Corbin, who directed it. And I got I got to I got 30 minutes with him through Netflix and we and he was just so cool, man. So we're going to talk to him. That's going to be a little amuse bouche, if you will, a little appetizer. Uh, And I, I, even if you don't, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like my thing. Trust me, the DNA with these docu-series and reality series, it's there. The pop culture-ness of it's there too. And also just the damn respect out of some man who puts these documentaries together because this thing was awesome. This thing, I couldn't even imagine how this man did this. It was just so, I was so just in awe. And to talk to somebody that does this with their life, a documentarian that has been doing this all of his life. And he his resume is insane, you guys. We didn't get to get fully into it because I only had 30 minutes. But he just did this documentary for HBO Max this past year called 537 Votes about the Ileana Gonzalez and the Bush Gore recount. And it was brilliant as well. And he has another uh, uh, one on Netflix right now, too, um, that you got to check out that I'll put in the show notes. Uh, but he didn't disappoint. And the other thing to get you get your taste buds going is that Alexia from Real Housewives of Miami is one of the talking heads in Cocaine Cowboys. So. That's dope. And Roy Black, Leah Black's lawyer husband, is one of the lawyers that represents one of the cocaine smugglers in this. So it all ties in. All roads lead back to Housewives, you guys. So I ask you uh, to to listen to this and also to watch the thing. Also, a lot of you ladies, if you have husbands or boyfriends, dude, get them to watch this. This is so up their alley. But it's also just a story of generations, a story of America, a story that spans decades. You're going to be very impressed. I just I love how the sausage is made. And I was just like, how do you I kept watching this. How do you piece all of these stories together? You know, uh, and then, of course, now this is more in our reality show genre. We have Mr. Mike Johnson from Bachelor Nation. who, of course, was. On Hannah Brown's season of The Bachelorette, uh, was on Bachelor in Paradise, and he has this excellent new podcast called Talking It Out, and a lot of people wanted him to be The Bachelor. Everybody thought he was actually going to be The Bachelor, and we talk a little bit about that, uh, which he, he is tired of answering that question, by the way. We talk about that, but he was like a real, and you know what I love about these is that each one of these interviews, you go in cold. Like I do my research and things, but they don't know me, I don't know them, I mean except for the stuff I read. And so it's like this thing you guys of not winning them over, but just trying to get them comfortable, trying to to say, "Hey, I respect you. I I I let's, you know, like I, I never knew that this would be could be a job, you know? Like I never knew. But think about it. We do this every day in our lives, right? We we go up to people and we, you know, like I don't know. I just, I know this sounds silly and I'm probably, you're probably like, Ryan, are you having a stroke? No. I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, we, we do like, this is like going, being a new kid at school and trying to make friends on a daily basis, which is just so funny that it's me that's doing it because sometimes this is my worst nightmare. You know, like I know, I, I know I come off really gregarious and very up, but that's just not who I am. So it is very funny that this is something I'm choosing to do. Um, and also, sorry my voice is a little raspy. Yesterday really took it out of me. I had so many interviews, and they were all very high energy. So I think you would hear a little rasp in my voice, which I think probably sounds very sexy to the listening audience. Um, okay, I wanted to talk one new story before we get into this is uh, rumors. Okay, Rumors. Rumors are destroying the Bravo viewing experience. It is taking away a lot of the joy of the actual shows. It just is. And it needs to stop right now or you guys are all grounded. No, it's getting ridiculous. Now, I love Dumois. She's been on the show a bunch. I think she is awesome. I love her as a person. But it is... um. I just want to remind everybody, we're so caught up in this. I was talking to Spencer about Perez Hilton on It wasn't Spencer Pratt awesome. I got so many compliments today of like, I don't even like Spencer. You made me like him. And I'm like, that's awesome. But he was really a very normal, nice dude. Um, but remember, you can post. I could send something to Demois with no factual basis and say, you guys, I was at the Rainbow Room in New York City and I heard every casting decision that they were ever going to do for Bravo. And it's so exciting because we we love rumors. That's who we are as a society. I mean, that's who we are. You know, like think about your earliest memories of like junior high and high school of just the rumors around lockers. Wait, do we, Are lock, do lockers still exist? I, I, do they have some like digital lockers now? What I don't even know how school works now, but that's what we loved. And and then you always feel like so prideful if you have your hands on some piece of dirty information that nobody else has. But. The thing with these rumors, like we're hearing Dorinda's out, we're hearing uh, uh, lose a friend of because NBC has a stake in a cabaret show. We're hearing Ebony's going to stay because they kind of have to. Ramona's definitely staying because she has a high Q store and the audience loves her. There has been so many rumors about this. In fact, there was another one today. That's saying the reunion was going to be a virtual reunion and was shooting today. And Andy mentioned it on his serious radio show. So you read that and you go, oh, well, it was verified. Andy said it on his radio show. Guys, that's not even true. Dave Quinn from people totally busted that wide open. No, he didn't. Nobody looks into shit anymore. Andy didn't say that. It is not filming today. That's a lie. These are rumors, but these are also rumors very targeted. It feels like in a very weird area where I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, the rumors are actually now completely surpassing this season of the show because next week is the last episode of Real Housewives of New York. I think it's like a 13-episode season, which it feels like we've had 80 episodes of this season and it's going to be the shortest season they've ever had since the first season, I believe. So... That's sad. I mean, first off, they just need to worry about the show. These casting rumors, Andy said in an interview with Bryce Sander, who actually I'm talking to Bryce on Friday. Um, Andy said, hey, most likely we're keeping everybody. We'll probably add a few. It will be in a non-COVID season, hopefully. And and we'll, we'll course correct. But all of this shit, I, guys, something is going on. You've always got to be wary when this many rumors come out and this many rumors are wrong. That they're trying, there is something at play here. We have been taught, or I, I at least thought we had learned by now, to have a healthy suspicion of all uh, rumors. You know, is that just because somebody says it, or so you hear it, or this or that, doesn't mean it's true. Now, I have friends that actually have very inside sources, right? That actually have bigger accounts and things like that, and don't post things unless they know that it is a fact. But also, just be wary. And just because a housewife says that something that somebody posts is not true doesn't mean they're even telling the truth. Remember this. This is part of... We all study pop culture, right? Do you know how many instances of celebrities lying to people's faces there are? Whether it be uh, just uh, the the new Spider-Man preview came out. And I know this is leaping to a whole different genre. But uh, Spider-Man preview came out and... Uh, It's going to be surrounded by a multiverse, right? And the multiverse, different Spider-Mans are going to come back and play. So we have our Spider-Man with Tom Holland. And then we have, remember, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, and uh, Andrew Garfield was another Spider-Man. So the rumor, well, the rumor was all those Spider-Mans are coming back and and Tom Holland is going to be visiting these multiverses with these different Spider-Mans, as well as Dr. Octopus, Jamie Foxx's Electro character. nobody knows what I'm talking about except for a few people. Um, but th- the rumor was they were all coming back. But each one of those actors in interviews said, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not filming any Spider-Man movie, but I had a great time filming when I did. Guess what? They all lied. <laughs> they're all in the movie. <laughs> Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Doc Octopus, Alfred Molina, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx, they're all in. And they lied because they... that They they lied because they, they wanted to keep this secret for, you know, like, the maximum excitement for the audience. Uh, and sorry if I just... <laughs> sorry if I just spoiled that for anybody. But actually, I don't think I did because Dr. Octopus, they just released the first trailer and Alfred Molina was in it at the end. So, you know... And also, Willem Dafoe is coming back as a Green Goblin. So. so, what I'm saying is that just because a housewife says something doesn't make it true. My way of handling any of this is this you can't stop time, right? Like, we can't, none of us have the magic ability to stop time. And if you do, please contact me at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. I have a couple of things that I would love to collaborate with you on. But if you can't, this is like my easiest way to deal with rumors. Just wait. (laughs) Wait until the show comes out. We have enough business to worry about regardless of if if Ebony's staying, if Ramona's fired, if this is that. Who cares? The show sucked this season. Period. Across the board. Across the board, the show sucked. Period. Period. It's okay that it sucked, though. It's not going anywhere. Roni's going to be great next season. I have no doubt in my mind. Do you remember how how many bad seasons of Beverly Hills there was? It's okay to not like a show, you guys. It's okay to say a show's bad this season. Are we losing our grip on reality? It's okay. And it's not one person's fault. It's a group effort. It takes a group to make a show bad. It's okay, though. But another thing is, we can't just be attacking people and stuff like that. I mean, I think the bigger accounts that post this stuff, I do know a couple instances where they actually have inside sources. So I would think for the bigger accounts, they're aware of how this works more than any of us. And I'm talking about Instagram accounts, guys. Sorry if you don't know. Um, But all these other uh, tiddlywink little rumors here and there, and especially with Demois, because Demois, like she says, I just post things. I don't verify I don't verify. So you literally can post any piece of information and there's a chance it'll get posted. So that's a powerful tool that people can use to put a false message out there. So just take all of this into account. Now, I still think it's fun until it becomes not fun. Until people start attacking people about rumors I mean, and this really, I don't know, like, you know, we're supposed to stay off Instagram today because this this money thing, which I still don't know what exactly happened. But I think a lot of people were being racist to money in her comments or DMs or something. But this shit, I just feel like we're way better. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but you guys know me and this the uh the, what this pod stands for. I don't tolerate racist bullshit. I also recognize that I'm a very uh, in a very privileged pos- position as a straight white male. Um, I get it. I do I have not had to face the struggles uh, that uh, a lot of people have in this world. My struggles have all been uh, internally and mentally and things like that, and those are very valid as well, but I have not ever had to fight somebody because of the color of my skin. Um, But I just don't think there's any place with that, and especially when it comes to something that we should all be able to agree on that Jax Taylor is a horrible person, you know? So that is that on that. I just wanted to, cause it feels like it's spinning out of control and it's like, this isn't even worth it, man. We got salt Lake coming up. Let's worry about that. We have a great season of Beverly Hills, a great season of Potomac. Why the F are we like, fix it. You guys, I don't care about the rumors until then fix it. You want to know who's going to be on the cast. I'll watch on season premiere or I'll watch the first trailer and I'll go, Oh, I remember that person. Oh, Luann's back. Okay. But other than that, and guess what? Bravo doesn't take our opinions on casting. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. I've been around this game now years and years. And every time there's like this wild yelling and all this stuff and all of this noise and what I heard this and what I heard that. And it's all ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. It's a fun waste of time, but all it is is a waste of time. We'll see it when it happens, unless you actually work in Bravo casting. And if so, please reach out to me. It's so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey at gvi.com. Okay. That is my rant. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Also, I, I will focus more on this next week when I can get some audio clips, but uh, Rick and Kelly Leventhal, or Kelly Dodd as she was once known, have uh, gone into the podcasting game. They are now, I am at war with the Rick and Kelly podcast. You will be going down, suckers. Their podcast, you guys, is called Rick and Kelly Unmasked, which of course is a horrible joke about uh, Kelly not wanting to wear her mask and getting in trouble for it during COVID. And I just love when Stupid people lean into stupid um, things that upset people like I don't know you know it's just like weird it's just like it really just shows how some people were raised like whether you like I, I just just shut your mouth you know like enough people got hurt like you know you don't have to wear your mask I guess but don't make jokes about it it's hurt so many people. Like people fucking died over this shit, and you think it's funny? It's like it's a good podcast title. I get that you're panicked because you lost a huge job. And Rick, man, Rick used to be a respected news anchor. I got to talk to his daughter, uh, who's been on the pod a couple times, because it's it's sad, man. Like it's sad when a relationship really brings you down. I don't it. I don't know. It is wild, but I cannot wait to pull sound clips from that and and really review from one podcaster to another. Uh, a, a podcast, but Shannon Bedore, um put their podcast on her Instagram yesterday to advertise like a good friend. And Shannon, once again, Shannon should not be putting herself into it. Shannon needs to just worry about whatever she was making with those salmon cream cheese things she was selling, which I just said that out loud and my stomach turned. Oof. Oof. You guys uh, have the best rest of your Thursday. This is how it's going to work. We are going to have the director of Cocaine Cowboys, Billy Corbin, right now. We're going to take a small break. Everybody going to pee, wash their hands, all that stuff. And then we're going to go right into Mike J- Johnson from The Bachelor franchise and the uh, his new podcast, um, which is called Talking It Out. And then we're going to go home. And then tomorrow, there's one more sleep until Dorinda. Okay? Let's do this, you guys. Let's do this, you guys. Who am I? Oh, my God. Oh, actually, I'm going to play the Cocaine Cowboys two-minute tra- trailer from Netflix just so you can kind of get a... Uh, you got to see this visually, but uh, you'll get to hear a little bit of the story, and then we'll go right into Billy Corbin. Drug dealing was something that was natural to me. If you would have told us that we were criminals, we would have laughed. We're 20-year-old kids. We're just having fun.
2: Willie and Sal were the kings of cocaine in South Florida.
0: They're first-generation immigrants. They thought this
3: was their path to the American dream.
0: The most prolific drug traffickers in U.S. history.
3: All of Miami considered them local heroes because they were like the Robin Hoods. They always shared their wealth. Basically
1: it's a fortune 500 company run by a bunch of muchachos.
3: Cash, boats,
1: cars. I'm not gonna lie he wasn't like the first drug dealer that I went out with. The offshore powerboat champions indicted for trafficking more than 75 tons of cocaine. The largest drug case in history. Let the games begin and they did.
2: They enjoyed living on the edge, being like cat and mouse.
3: See if you can find me.
0: They will get arrested, just change your ID, get new driver's licenses. That's Miami. We paid off
1: detectives, judges, high people all the way in the United States government.
2: Did we have sex in jail? Yes. I mean, the whole thing lasted less than 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Even though everyone believed
0: there was Willie and Sal orchestrating these murders, there was no evidence to support it. So you're going to order me killed? Now I'm going to testify. Are you
3: crazy? They were untouchable.
2: I knew it was a matter of time. Sal
3: and Willie were going to be caught. How many times can you go into a bullfight and not get hurt? Olé. This was the best show that Miami has ever seen.
1: As long as they're working together, I don't see any danger in it.
0: Uh, you guys, I talked about this uh, over the last, I think, week and a half because it blew me away. Now, the purpose of this show, we talk about reality shows, we talk about pop culture, but I also want to point you in the direction of something you might not have seen or heard of, and this is how beautiful pop culture works now, is that my friend Danielle watched this documentary on Netflix, and she said, I can't stop watching this, you got to watch it, and I said, mind your business, I'll watch what I want to watch. Then I said, okay, you know, I will watch this. I watched this on a Saturday, you guys, just thinking I'm going to watch one, it's like Like 10 in the morning. I have stuff to do that day. I was like, I'll watch a second one. Then I'll watch a third one. This is a six-part documentary series on Netflix. Uh, And I I just threw everything away that Saturday and just did this. Then I started texting my friends and said, "Uh, yo, Rebecca, you live in Miami. You got to check this documentary out. She goes, that's my friend, Billy Corbin's documentary. The documentary, you guys, is Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami. And the director, Billy Corbin, is with us today. Billy, thank you so much. Damn, dude. Thank you for this. This is art. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Ryan, for having me. And thanks to Rebecca, of course. <laughs>
0: uh, it was. Uh, it blew me away that she, she immediately knew you. But it also, uh, I was like, wow, Miami really is a very tight community. Um, and then I was looking at your, you watched, uh, you did another documentary that was very powerful for me over uh, COVID was uh, 537 votes, I believe, which blew me away as well on HBO max. But how do you even, how the hell do you do cocaine cowboys, which is a six part. Like it's, it's like all of these threads. It's like the Charlie meme from it's always sunny in Philadelphia, connecting all of these dots. How, what is this? How do how do you even do this? Billy? Well, it's, funny because you know you don't
1: have to this is the the fourth title in the cocaine cowboys franchise yeah uh, but you don't have to have seen any of the first three uh this is a totally standalone piece but i think speaking to your point about the kind of all the different intersecting and overlapping themes and characters and points if you see the first a few cocaine cowboys documentaries. I think it gives you even greater historical context and particularly exposition on Miami itself, which, as you've already observed, is one of the smallest big towns or one of the biggest small towns uh, yeah. probably uh, in the country. And and someone makes a really interesting point about Willie Falcone and Salma Magluta, who are known as Los Muchachos or the boys who at the time that they were busted in 91 were considered by the U.S. government to be the biggest cocaine traffickers at that point in history. They were accused of smuggling over 75 tons of cocaine worth yeah. over $2.1 billion. billion. And, yeah, and someone makes the point in the do- in the series in, in Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami, that um, there may be six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but there's in Miami, there's only like one or two degrees of Willie and Sal. And I think you kind of discovered that on your own with Rebecca and I, that there's really, that you're yeah. only kind of, you're only like one or two degrees of separation from almost any native Miamians, you know, or, or, or hometown Miamians. I'm a native Floridian and a lifelong Miamian. But if you're here long enough, and that's the thing about Miami too, which what makes it such a a, a small big town is that we have a real uh, lack of institutional memory because we have a, a really transient population. So only now do you kind of have a generation of us who were yeah. kind of born in, and raised uh, here and are all interconnected as a, it's one big, happy, incestuous family. Line.
0: I mean, it really, it seems like that, but it also, <laughs> you make this point in the first part of like, these are almost local boys done good local boys that really, uh, you know, they're, they're almost successful in what they're doing and they're giving back, uh, you know, almost a Robin hood effect in some ways. Well, you have to remember in Miami, we're all guilty by geography.
1: Um, you know, this <laughs> is uh me, you know, we don't have any indigenous trade here. <laughs> um, we, we just kind of subsist from hustle to hustle. You know, we when all else fails, we sell the sunshine. It's all really a, like a real estate hustle, ultimately. But like Miami, you know, we have a black market, we have a little white market, but most of us exist in a gray market economy out of sheer necessity. Uh, to tell you the truth, 60% of the people in Miami Dade County cannot afford to live in Miami-Dade County. And so we kind of just like look for new hustles and new opportunities. You know, Our side hustles have side hustles. And if you think about being in Miami in that era, whether you were a first generation immigrant, like these Cuban Americans were in this story of, of Los Muchachos of the Kings of Miami, or you were Anglo, which by the way, also probably one of the only cities in America that call our white people, our white population Anglo, but we do, you know, Anglo... <laughs> Haitian, African-American, whoever you were, wherever you came from, this was a boom town during a worldwide recession in the late 70s into the 80s. And so you had friends, if you're a teenager and you had friends becoming millionaires overnight, you can very easily and organically fall into that. And, and yeah. I think, again, time and place, you just have to, it's, I'm not making excuses, I'm just uh, observing what was a very obvious trend in Miami in that era, which is a lot of people got into the illicit drug trade and they did it because it must've looked like the American dream at that point. You know, it must, because, I mean, Miami was a, I'll put it this way. Our number one and number two industries at that time were real estate and uh, tourism. Tourism generated annually for Miami-Dade County approximately uh, $7 billion a year. Um, Real estate generated about $9 billion a year. The drug trade was estimated to generate approximately or upwards of $12 billion a year just to the South Florida economy. So it was an entire industry unto itself, obviously.
0: Um, you know there's a, a great character uh, uh, Peggy who uh, who started as a young boy where he was like washing cars of all of the you know of Sal and Willie and all of these guys and it was very reminiscent of those scenes in Goodfellas with Ray Liotta coming up and we see and you guys why I think Peggy you uh, he's very charming in this but he also was married to Alexia from Real Housewives of Miami which we talk <laughs> about all the time which by the way not even the only then they have the dream team of lawyers Roy Black who's married to Leah Black is in there. So you guys, there is this like DNA through reality shows into this, but Peggy's story was amazing. Cause you get to watch it from this young kid that all of a sudden is making millions of dollars. He, you know, is dating Alexia. He gets a call on a cell phone, has to leave in the middle of the night. She thinks he has another family or a wife or something like that. And it's just what you did back then. It's just what he did. It was his life. Yeah. And, and I think it made-
1: a very good observation there. Peggy is definitely the Henry Hill of the operation, uh, a la Goodfellas, you know, the kid who started out, you know, barely double digits, washing these guys' cars and getting paid in handfuls of cash, uh, making more money than his dad was making uh, at yeah. that time. And so you're not going to <laughs> kind of organically, when everybody you know is involved in that business and making a ton of money, it doesn't really seem... Like there's anything wrong with it. You also have to remember that this kind of predates uh, addiction really taking hold of families and of communities and killing upwards of two or three people uh, a day in South Florida by the time the 80s started to progress. And and it was cocaine was looked at uh, at that time socially as like a rich like, person's drug. Like yeah. we weekend, weekend warriors, they would be doctors or lawyers during the week and then they'd go and party on the weekends like anybody would go and drink they would do cocaine and return to their jobs on Monday. Until, of course, they stopped returning to their jobs on Monday and addiction became a problem. But in that time, again, you have to realize in the Miami bubble, there was a very warped perception of the opportunities provided by the drug trade, of of the lack of danger, so to speak, in the drug uh, itself. And you have to remember also that Miami in the 19, early 1980s, in, it, 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 throughout the decade, I should say, Is, in my opinion, the only successful case study of Ronald Reagan's trickle down economics in history. (laughs) It's the only time that actually worked because you had had that $12 billion industry, but it was falling into every, it was going into certainly the real estate trade, which was the second biggest business in town or the first biggest legitimate business in town. But it didn't matter what you did in Miami at that point, whatever business you were in you were being touched or, or you were seeing the trickle down effect from that narco revenue.
0: Now, there's no way you guys that I can, uh, uh, I mean, show you guys how much work has to be put into this. This is six parts. Uh, how do you even start to diagram? Because I, we're talking about the beginning, you guys. You don't even realize this gets where they get busted, they fight the case, they go to jail, they're making people paralegals and sneaking in lobsters and having conjugal visits. Then they get out of jail, then they go back to jail. This thing is so complicated. You already, you know, cut your teeth on uh, Griselda and Cocaine Cowboys in the early films how do you do you just sit there with a big whiteboard and your producing partner and break this down did you know with netflix it's six parts going in
1: we knew it was six parts going in we we and we certainly were we had our hand i had a handle on the first four episodes and the sixth episode the fifth one was a bit more challenging um but like uh, listen this is an epic i mean I i feel like in the united states the kind of typical uh timeline of a of a drug operation is maybe five years, um, oftentimes less before people either wind up dead, they go to prison. In some cases, rare cases, people kind of take their money and go into a legitimate trade. You know, they actually leave the business. That happened a few times uh, to some successful operators uh, in Miami who are still around to this day, operating in, in legitimate uh, <laughs> industry, operating in politics.
0: I mean, the, uh, the, one, the one gentleman's uh, uh, religion, he's helping people through uh, the the one gentleman,
1: he found God. I mean, he survived. Yeah. Went to prison twice, uh, but 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 did find God and became successful in uh, in the in legitimate Ministry, business after yeah. yeah after he got out uh, of prison. It's possible, but it's extremely rare. So this was a story we had followed most of our lives um, from middle school to high school to college here in Miami. The story of Willie uh, and Sal, who incidentally were known as Willie and Sal, no last names. I mean, you saw them in the newspaper or on the Chiron on your local news. It just said. Willie and Sal. No one said Willie who or Sal who. Everybody knew exactly who you were talking it about. It was so like Ma- Madonna, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absor share. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you know, we we knew that this was an epic story, and we knew that their careers spanned over twenty years, and we knew that the story itself spanned multiple decades. I mean, our story starts ostensibly in the seventies and goes all the way to the actually comes to present present day. I mean, by the time we get through the epilogues. In episode six, where the twists and turns do not stop. I mean, they go through. Oh, you guys,
0: you guys. I mean, the very (laughs) last moment is exact. It's it's yeah, yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you know, structurally, it was intense, and it took some work. You know, I I find that uh, documentaries, by and large, are really written in post-production. They're written in the editing room because all your best laid plans and your outlines and your questions and your vision, they're all well and good. But once you get in the editing room and we don't use narrators, you know, we only do first person productions. And so it's all I and we, not they and he. And so we're, we're really, uh, you know, we, we, we only, we've only got what we get. And so we have to then put together with archive and with the original interviews that we shot, um, hopefully a coherent arc and so what we also did though is that every episode needs to have an arc every two episodes needs to have an arc
2: oh yeah.
1: every three episodes needs to have an arc and of course all six the entire series needs to have an arc so it's like you're constantly looking at structure and story beats and of course cliffhangers right you want to keep you i don't take the audience's attention or their time for granted i think if you're going to devote i think what amount i think these episodes probably come to about four and a half hours yeah. across the six of them until like if you're going to devote that much of your life to one of our projects like we we have a responsibility to keep you engaged hopefully and entertained and and educated. Yeah,
0: point. I mean, no, all of those things. Even if the the the, the B roll footage you get to use, or even that thing when uh, when Peggy meets Alexia, and you 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 go, they meet at the restaurant, and then they go to the nightclub, and you're using that B roll footage of the nightclub, and you feel like you're there. Like even you guys, even Pitbull has a song in the beginning that at first I was like, oh, this is gonna annoy me, and then by the end I was like, for <laughs> oh, the love of the drug trade, like I was. I was, by the end, it's one of the catchiest dang uh, opening of the song. Do you have to communicate with Pitbull of what you want, or does he go, oh. I got this? No,
1: so we, we we sent him the beat years ago, and um, we sent out a bunch of beats to a bunch of artists to see if we couldn't do, like, a kind of Cocaine Cowboys-inspired hip-hop album. And only one artist sent us a, a track back, and it was Pit. And he decided to rap enti- The full two minute song is amazing. He raps. We edited it obviously for use yeah. and, uh, as the theme song. But he he raps entirely from the first person perspective of cocaine. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's surreal and hilarious, and I think rather brilliant. And um, and I, I I I heard it. and I was like, holy shit, this is like one of Pitt's best songs. And then, uh, I was like, oh, it would be the perfect theme song for Los Muchachos for the Kings of yeah. Miami. And we made it that and. For me, you know, I feel like, listen, let's be honest. True crime documentaries, true crime miniseries—they are, I mean, it's it's all a trope now, right? Like, and the audience is so sophisticated. The, the ubiquity of these projects, the, the amount of of life that the audience is devoted to this type of content, I'm very grateful for it. But what what's happening is, of course, is there's a certain amount of of complacency, right? Like you yeah. the audience is it's it all feels like been there done that, they've seen it all. The opening credit sequence and the songs all start to kind of blend together for these true crime doc <laughs> series and so I was determined to to make the whole this whole series like unapologetically Miami and just be like kind of take it or leave it, love it or hate it, but like this is what it is and I look at the opening credit sequences, I know a lot of people like to skip them. I always watch them because I feel like they're the overture for the show and yeah. structurally we you know it's cold open opening credits you know main time and and then the episode so we structure things in that format to move that way so i look at it like you're going to experience part of the experience rather yeah in the storytelling is the overture is the opening song and i wanted it to just Feel different and sound different oh, and be a different tempo than anything
0: you'd ever see. It, 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 it hits you hard and it <laughs> makes more it makes more sense as you get more into it. Where by the end, I was like, damn, I'm gonna miss this song. And uh, but you're right about audiences being sophisticated. I talk about this all the time on the show is that we are uh a very uh, you know, don't treat us stupid. Don't treat us like we're idiots anymore. You know, we're but it yeah. is funny, we we do take things for granted. And I think Netflix, who I think is the king of amazing, these amazing documentary series but it is funny where you're like okay it's like a black and white shot of a tree they can do better than that like I guess a tree (laughs) you know like you're watching these things
1: you know and on Netflix especially the audience you know uh is so devout to the Netflix content and the Netflix algorithms and recommendations are so smart and you know so savvy and in terms of guiding you to content uh and and what you will like if you liked or watched this um that I I I feel like there was a shorthand we could do with the exposition up front. I don't want to shortchange the audience with exposition. You need to know who these characters are and where they come from and what their motivations are. But you've, I feel like Netflix audiences, especially, yes. are so used to narco content or narco, content that it's like, I can, we don't have to cover stuff that's been covered in a million yeah. dramatic series and documentaries. It seems after the first Cocaine Cowboys came out in 06, you know, it was. It blew up on Netflix, the DVD, the Red Envelope. You remember the old- Oh, <laughs> the, uh, the oh, I remember. Yeah. i trying yes. to get
0: those in and out as fast as I can so I could get yes. it before the weekend. Another yeah. one. Yes, yeah. and
1: Yes, they, are three titles at a time. Yes. Three yes. At a time. Yeah.
0: yes. So anyway, so we, were, we blew up on
1: that, Cocaine Cowboys, the first doc back in 07 when it came out on DVD. And then Cocaine Cowboys was one of the first documentaries on Netflix's streaming service when they launched that. So I feel like the Cocaine Cowboys and all- titles now of the franchise had been on netflix so i feel like the audience really lives not only lives there but grew up there in terms of narcos content because after cocaine
0: cowboys was just like I was one of the red, I was one of the red envelopes on cocaine Cowboys. Like I was one of, yo yeah, I was, that was one of my three title selections. And uh, I remember that specifically watching that at uh, my, my shitty job in Los Angeles at the time. And it just, it cracks me up. Uh, I know I get a little bit more time with you. So I want to ask a couple of questions. Why, uh, why the art form of documentary documentaries for you? Why, why that art form?
1: Well, I'm, I'm from Florida and you know, uh, you, you can't believe the shit that happens <laughs> down here. I mean, you wouldn't believe it if we made it up. You, I mean, you wouldn't believe any of this. So, yeah. you know, we we realized that it had been mined in in drama and in fiction and and in nonfiction uh, 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 books, but never really for nonfiction filmmaking. And so we we decided, like out of out of you know studying film and and screenwriting and editing, that that we wanted to. Be filmmakers, we weren't exactly sure how or what genre we wanted to focus in. And we just realized from looking around here, I mean, Florida fuckery is like our genre. And like, it's it's also our state's number one export, uh, I think. So like, we just, it, 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 it struck us that like, this would be a fun lane and something we could kind of help carve for ourselves. That's the other thing too, you know, we're, we're a small boutique operation and we could be three more schmucks peddling our wares in New York or LA, but then we wouldn't be really known for anything. So now we're like the Miami storytellers, the (laughs) Miami, the Miami. So, so our brand is some, I mean, to a great extent is inextricably linked to our, our location and our storytelling and our genre in, in much the same way, you know, Kevin Smith, you think New Jersey and like Shyamalan, you think, you think Philly, um, yeah. you know, uh, John Waters, uh, Barry Levinson, David Simon, you think Baltimore, you know, yeah. uh, Rick, Rick Linklater, you think Austin, uh, you know, and, and Robert Rodriguez also. And like, you know, New York is, you know, uh, Spike Lee or or Martin Scorsese. Like you have these associations with people and where they're from. And we wanted to be those, those that, that we wanted that to Miami to be our brand.
0: No, and that's and you do that so perfectly in, in this, especially the my favorite thing about reality shows, and I know that this isn't that, but my favorite ones are when you actually get a peek on a different lifestyle. You know, you can you can tell they're humans just like you, but you're like, I didn't know Miami. I don't know Miami. I get a better view of a little piece of that where you feel like you know just a little something, you peel back some kind of curtain that is just amazing. Um I did want to ask you about, uh, Marilyn, uh, Bonachea. I believe, uh, her name is, and she is amazing. I believe she's in all six episodes and she starts from the beginning and goes to the end and she ends up, um, uh, having to testify against Sal. And she really seems like she got put through the ringer. And at the same time has come out with this amazing sense of humor, because I couldn't have predicted when she was talking about working in the pastry shop with the smile and the short skirt to where her story would go. And what an interesting perspective she seems to have on that. How do you get somebody like that to talk? And, and does that lead to other people? Is she the key? What, where was the, the entrance point for this? Or was it just because you had already done the other cocaine cowboy movies?
1: Well, that's a really good observation because, really, ultimately, if you think about it, her arc is the arc yeah. of all six episodes. She's one of the few people that does appear. I, I think you're right in in some way or another in all six uh, episodes. Um, and so it really, um, in a way, it opens with her. It ends with her. You know, it really is kind of her. We follow the story certainly through her eyes and through her perspective. She was the first interview we did. I'm going to start to show my age a little bit here, but. She, Fresh from the witness protection program, Marilyn reached out to me, I believe, on MySpace.
2: And <laughs> yes,
1: the
0: the, the, the uh, lost civilization. Yeah. The, you the guys, lost... there used to be uh, there used to be a thing called MySpace. Tom was all of our friends. I'll explain it later. Yeah. Yes, it was like Facebook for old people. Uh yeah. And so anyway, she reached <laughs> out. She
1: um, I think, I think you're right because of the notoriety of the original cocaine cowboys. Um, documentary that she thought to, to reach out. Um, again, fresh from witness protection. She um, had lost track of most of her family. At that point, she didn't even know if her parents were alive or dead uh, anymore. Um, obviously, had lived a very difficult and lonely life in witness protection and was looking to kind of get out there and share her story. Because I mean, really, that was all she had left. She had her son and she had her story. And so, wanted to share it, and so we did a series of interviews with her. Eventually, that I thought were incredibly compelling, and I, I, I think, you know, to your point, she manages to stay uh, healthy and sane through her sense of humor, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and and I think for some, I think that comes off as a bit of an eccentricity, her her laughter, you know. Um, yeah. but I feel like it's also a it's also a a um, you know, a form of self preservation, and and um and uh, protection also. Uh, and you see a lot had- of
0: humanity. You see humanity through it. You know, you. I, I feel like I was like, I my heart kind of went out once I knew the full story where I was like, wow, because this, this is a story, like you said, that spans decades. Like we see her as a small, like we see her as a, a teenage girl and then you just see the process of what, drug trafficking and what the drug trade can do, the highs and the very lows. And I thought it was just so, uh, so interesting to talk to her and she still had a smile on her face as well as a lot of these other people you talk to. They're like, I was like sitting there going, is this legal? Are they scared? Like, is anybody, you know, it was, it was, that's how good it is that you're just like, there's no way.
1: I I think if you lived in Miami in your twenties, in the 1980s and you became a multimillionaire or a billionaire, you would have had a, you would have lived a pretty crazy and eventful life. And Jacques Cousteau has a saying that I'm going to butcher that, um, you know, if you, if you live an interesting life, you, you have no business keeping it to yourself. You know, <laughs> you should, you should, you should share it, your yeah. story and your life with the, with the world. And honestly, I think that sense of nostalgia that I think you're reading into it, a lot of that is relief that they survived because you know everybody in these stories yeah. end up end up dead or in jail. They all they some of them were a little a column A, a little a column B. I mean, they wound up in jail, some of them for over well over a decade. They lost their spouses, they lost in in some cases their children who didn't talk to them anymore, and then come out and try to put their life back together. And and in a way, you see that. That sense it's not really joy or nostalgia, it's just it's, it's like, relief. Like wow, that yeah, that's I, I awesome. I can't believe the yeah. crazy shit I did when I was in my twenties. And I and even <sighs> more so, I can't believe I'm here to talk about it.
0: Wow. Um, Finally, Sal and Willie, of course, this is all about them and they hang over every frame of this thing. And uh, Sal uh, is still in prison. And uh, I know, you know, many times, even in the first episode, he's talking about how he is very, you know, wants to make sure he's absolved of his sins and he's very close to God and trying to be close to God. But he is in a very high, like very the high security maximum prison with like I think like the Unibot, like just some really heavy hitters in there. Do you have any contact with him and 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 where where's Willie? Willie disappeared, right? He's out and and away. Yeah, I spoke to Sal uh, last time I spoke to him on the phone. I think it was last
1: year. Uh, he does he he has very limited uh, telephone access, and I have to say the the time that he has spent under the mountain in Florence, Colorado, in the in the roughest. Uh, prison in the federal system, as you mentioned, with the Unabomber, with El Chapo, with uh, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, I mean, with with, with terrorists, with dangerous, violent criminals. Um, Sal was not, in fact, convicted of a violent crime, but he is yet in, in this uh, prison where he has been in solitary for something like 10 years. I think he's in his cell alone for about 23 hours out of the day. It's pretty deleterious to one's physical and, and mental health. And so sometimes he's in really, he was in really good spirits when I spoke to him and really sharp and, and you know, with it, you kind of get glimpses of the flashes of like the old yeah. you know, dynamic magnetic personality he used to have. And sometimes he had really, as you can imagine, uh, difficult days. Um, and and so far he's there for, I think, another 180 plus years Uh, And counting. Um, His uh, partner, uh, Willie Falcone, uh, decided not to go to trial uh, and decided to plead guilty and face the music and and, uh, got sentenced to like another 20 years. He was released in about 2017, taken into custody by by ICE uh, and put in immigration prison because he had never become a citizen. And so they wanted to deport him to Cuba. Um, his, his, uh, attorneys effectively argued that that would be too dangerous. He and Sal uh, uh, with their billions of dollars, one of the many charitable organizations that they donated to other than churches and synagogues and various friends and family were some of the militant anti Castro organization, the Cuban exile organizations that were looking to overthrow Castro. Um, that evidence emerged in Sal's second trial in 2002, the government in fact presented that evidence. So Willie's attorney's, very effectively argued that like, you can't send a guy back who was helping to support the overthrow of the Castro uh, yeah. regime, because obviously the regime will punish him or, or kill him or lock him up. And so the government ultimately deported him to the Dominican Republic, um, where he was at some point when that, when news of, of that, uh, of his arrival leaked to the, to the press in the DR. Yeah. He was, he was asked to leave, which he did. Uh, and, and, and went to another country, not exactly certain, uh, I, or I, I I know, but I, I have not confirmed yeah, it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, and and yeah. will not say.
2: Yeah,
0: please don't tell me. Please. I don't, I don't want to know anything. Yeah. yeah no, 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 um, no. No. So, you guys, this is, I mean, this, you're a genius, Mr. Corbin. This was just such Thank a joy. You. And a, to, to the, the reason this happened, I was on Twitter just wanting to be, you know, say, this is amazing. And he liked the tweet. And I was like, holy, I got, you got to take those chances, you guys. And he, uh, unfortunately, I roped him into this. And luckily, I have iHeartRadio behind me. So I know people will hear this. And you've got to make your husbands watch this. You've got to. And I'm telling you, you're going to love this as well. Well, this is such a great story. I know all of you ladies watch The Sopranos over the, I know. I watch you all re-watch it on my story. The Real, the real Housewives
1: the real this the, is yeah, the, the real housewives of Miami. You got all the connections. There's a lot of connections. Yes, that's like every time I was like,
0: Oh dope. Oh, that's so cool. And this is a, uh, an American story in a weird way. And also I hate to say, you probably get this a lot. I said, I found myself rooting for these guys. I was like, Oh, are they going to get away for, I, I almost didn't. I mean, there, there was that point where I was like, damn, I wish Sal didn't I, anyways this was just a masterful piece of work. Uh, Last thing, what are you working on now? Are you already on something else for Netflix? Do you have 80 ideas brewing at once? Uh, What is next?
1: I tell you, we're working on six documentaries at the same time right now. Um, Now, because it took us 12 years to finally get Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami done, uh, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> what we were, what we were uh, 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 le, 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 less less they take a fraction of that length of time. Like, what, the, what the hell ever happened to that uh, that that doc you told Ryan about? And I'm like, yeah. okay,
0: we're still working on it. I swear, I the, swear, it's the MySpace, out. the MySpace documentary yes. is coming out. Yes, yes, the Tom, the, yes. the, the Tom story. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, thank you. I look forward to anything that you do. Now, lifelong fan, and you guys. Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami, Billy Corbin. Thank you for spending all this time with us today.
1: Thank you. And once you're done, by the way, our documentary Screwball is also streaming on Netflix. I highly recommend it. At the risk of my sounding like an algorithm, if you like Cocaine Cowboys, if you enjoy Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami, you'll love Screwball on Netflix.
0: Okay, Screwball is what I'm watching tonight. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Corbin. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, you guys. If you do not go check out Cocaine Cowboys, the six-part docu-series on Netflix... I don't know what to tell you. You guys do not like entertainment. It is such a very interesting story that hits all the pleasure buttons of all the stuff we love. There is romance. There is drama. There is mystery. I mean, it really is just, and that's why I always say, that's why I love reality shows. And I know we watch things that are much heightened and almost soap opera in, in ways, but this has soap opera elements as well. But it's just like real life is way more fascinating than anything that we could ever imagine. Uh, or anything that we could ever see in fictionalized TV. So just wanted to uh, to hip you to that, if you will. And what, man, I geeked out. You could hear I was geeking out so hard. You guys, I got to talk to a director of a documentary series. It was so cool. I thank you guys so much for giving me this platform. Um, and also, I am so excited to talk to our next guest, A little sexier than uh, me and Billy Corbin, if you will. Uh, He came to fame uh, on Hannah Brown's season of The Bachelorette, and he was immediately a fan favorite. You also saw him in Bachelor in Paradise. uh, But he has written a book, which you may not know, which we talk about. He has an excellent podcast called Talking It Out, which I strongly recommend You subscribing to, uh, and we get into even this season of Bachelor in Paradise. I talked to him last week after the first episode had aired and we, uh, I, I really told him how worried I am about grocery store Joe. Um, (laughs) if you guys aren't watching Bachelor in Paradise, I got to tell you, I love it so much more than the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise. It is just so, it's just a bunch of people stuck on an Island, encouraged to hook up with each other and take each other away. It's like, what's that, um, Uh, Gift exchange thing Like where you get to take Somebody else's gift Or keep your gift Like with Rotten Santa Or something like that It's like That's what they do They have to like do you want to stay with the guy you're with? Or do you want to pick this new guy that came to the island? It is completely my worst nightmare. Uh, but we talk about all of this stuff. And he was just, he was a really great dude. And I think you get a strong sense of that. And remember, you guys, there are timestamps. If you want to skip to Mike, that's there's a timestamp for that. If you just want to hear Cocaine Camp Cowboys, a timestamp for that. But this is my dream. This show is a mashup. And I, I love it so much. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... The man, Mike Johnson. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket, and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Go to try firstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Guys, hey, isn't the Spencer interview awesome? ah i'm so i I was so excited anyways i gotta do three commercials back to back i'm just warning you please listen if you can or you know just just check out the offer code i believe in all these products here we go and then we're gonna get right back to spencer because the last half is awesome did i just go awesome okay here they are Hey, folks, you didn't start the podcast all over again. It's just your pal, Ryan, uh, doing those commercials I was talking to you about. But I'm actually really excited about this next one, especially Uh, they are new to the the podcast. And the product is called Osea. And it is... uh, it's amazing. Uh, I talked with these ladies last week. Um, that's how much they care about their company and these skincare products that they actually wanted to, to go on a phone call with me after I had received the products to go over any questions I had, how it made my skin feel like they really care They they even cared how I felt about the product. So, you know, they care about what you think of the product and this stuff, folks, I know I'm a dude. But I had my friend Megan try it out. Uh, I told my mom about it. She's excited to try it out when she comes this week. Uh, but I was just telling—I um, was telling my mom that I was like, I just don't. My skin is just getting to a point where it kind of seems like kind of dead, like a zombie almost. And then I swear to God, this next week when I got home, these products were there, and I started using them, and I feel better. I look better. Um, I mean, I think I think I look better. I'd have to—it's a podcast, but I, I think you guys can tell I sound better at least. But Osea has. Has been making products that do all of this amazing stuff for the last 25 years, and when it comes to clean beauty, Osea is the pioneer. This stuff is not only good for your skin, but it's also good for the planet, and it'll help you get the results that you want. So They have award-winning cleansers, serums, and face moisturizers, and they are known for creating amazing body products like their famous Undaria Algae Body Oil, which they sent me. And it's dope, you guys, which, you know, it is totally perfect because we often forget to take care of our bodies the way we take care of our faces. So even the algae body oil you can put all over your body, and it is, uh, do I dare say, silky? Uh, it feels luxurious, rich, and the thing is it's it's um this I didn't know like my friend Megan tried it out and it's it's like not greasy or sticky, she said, and uh I noticed that it absorbs amazingly into the screen, skin. So it it not only moisturizes your skin, which I I'm an idiot, you guys. I thought I seriously thought moisturizers had to just be like white <laughs> Like white cream. I didn't know that this this amazing algae body oil moisturizes your skin and it leaves my skin looking way healthier and I dare say I'm glowing right now. So I know what you're thinking. Body oil, you know, and if you've used body lotion for years, you might be a little wary of body oils Um, but I gotta tell you I'm a convert. My friend is a convert. Uh, The Andaria Algae Body Oil has been Victoria Beckham's favorite body oil for years. Oh come on. Victoria, that's a spice girl you guys, but I think you guys are going to be obsessed with it too. So it soaks in easily, it isn't greasy and it has this um um it has this really nice citrus smell and I I know I had covid folks, but I can actually smell this. And uh, it reminded me of when I worked at the this day spa. I don't know if you guys know that, but I worked at a day spa and there was always kind of this citrus smell and, and cucumbers as well. But the citrus smell, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, so I can't even tell you how soft and smooth my fin- skin feels right now. If you guys see me, you're welcome to feel and touch my skin anytime. Uh, but it also, I think it actually has made my skin look a lot healthier. Um, and the body lotion definitely, it can't do that. So Oseas products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, which is huge, climate-neutral, and it's created with sustainably sourced seaweed and made in California. So you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. And this isn't in the ad, but I did want I, I did want to bring this up is that this company is another company that is entirely uh, female-founded. And run by family. And I think those two things show you exactly why this company is where they're at. I'm telling you, everything this company has done in way of sending me products, getting my feedback, hopping on phone calls, they really, really care about this. And that actually made me really excited to talk about this. So uh, so experience your new favorite clean skincare line with a special discount just for us, you guys. You can get 10% off your first order with promo code so good. That's S O G O O D. It's usually so bad, but I was like, it's got to be so good cuz this stuff is great. And you're just going to go to O S E A malibu.com. And then put the promo code good in. So you're also going to get free samples with every order. And orders over $50 get free shipping. So you're going to want it all. Um, I'm actually checking out more stuff because I know my mom and sister wanted to try some stuff. So go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code good. I think I'm going to put my link in one of my stories tomorrow too. And hopefully, we can generate some uh, some business for the the, this fine company. I actually really am excited for you guys to try this. And uh, thank you for listening to this. We got two more to go. But Osea, that is our new skincare uh, of choice. Better.
1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus.
0: Help is committed to uh, facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. Because sometimes, you know, the reality is you don't get it right sometimes on the first try. And they are very committed and concerned making sure that they match you with the right person. So it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So, special offer for So Bad It's Good Listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. And uh, if it makes you feel any better, this is a service I do use. And um, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. A lot of you guys have shared your mental health uh, journeys with me, as well as I've shared mine with you. And I think this is the kind of place where we're able to kind of communicate that stuff and realize this is very important. And that uh, I was just talking with a really good friend this weekend about this is that, unfortunately, we don't just wake up and magically feel good. Unfortunately, we have to do things every day, just like working out, just like building a muscle to make our 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 brains work, you know, and our emotions in check. We have to do things and we want to give ourselves the best fighting chance at at a slim slice of happiness we can on this earth. And I love that BetterHelp is committed to doing that with us. Okay, guys, one more. Thank you for your patience. But I think these are cool products. This one's a little sexy. I know you guys have heard me do this before. So please, uh, one more time with feeling. Uh, Today, another sponsor is our favorite company, Dame. We've talked about this on the show before. And I always say, and they always say, That we should seek out what's right for us and not compromise on what's most important in the bedroom. Our relationships should add value to our lives, especially in the bedroom. So why don't we think the same way about our sex toys? Now, Dame Products is a woman-owned sex toy company making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. Now we gotta find a better word for Vulva. I mean, I know we're probably not gonna do it on the podcast, but you know, I, I just I think there could be a better word. So it's founded, this is awesome, by a sex educator and an engineering whiz. Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you. They're closing the pleasure gap and helping the world one vulva at a time. Their vibrators and accessories are made with medical-grade silicone smart design principles, and lots of love earning glowing press from the New York Times, W Magazine, and many more. So whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost where it matters, because there's no shame in that you guys, or on a journey of self-exploration, which once again, no shame in that, we are sure they will earn a spot on your nightstand. So uh, I recommend the uh, the Ava, which is a couple's vibrator giving you clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. Uh, I'm currently not having sex, but this sounds like something that if I got to that point, I would use, so it's it's flexible wings, tuck under your labia for a snug fit. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Really, take that in. You can return something in 60 days guaranteed. So go to dameproducts.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site wide. Again, go to dameproducts.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site wide. And guys, thank you for listening to those commercials. I know it's a pain and it interrupts the flow. So I appreciate it. I get it, you guys. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Mike Johnson. Uh, Welcome back to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey, uh, iHeartRadio. Today, we have uh, a guest that a lot of my listeners have requested actually uh he was a favorite on his season of the bachelorette people always think that he should be uh and should have been the bachelor by this point but i want to draw attention to his podcast which is excellent and uh airs on monday it's called talking it out in this past week even he had a grocery store joe on so you know it's good uh mike johnson welcome to the show thank you so much for being here
3: uh, thank you for having me man we did have a grocery store, grocery store... Uh, you're right. We did have Grocer Joe this week on the pod. Yeah, dude is amazing. He's hilarious. And uh, I thank you for that intro. I appreciate you.
0: No, I mean, like, uh, honestly, you really have one of the best reputations of any Bachelor contestant. Uh, I was even talking to Kay York City, who's a friend of the pod. And yes. I said, give me some dirt on Mike. And she said, I can't. <laughs> he is just gold. And I was like, dang, that's because I had John Paul Jones on the other week and she had a yes. lot of dirt on him. But you, she was just like, I love Mike.
3: <laughs> I love, I love Tay as well. I was just with her uh, in LA uh, last week. Uh, yeah. so she's amazing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just myself. I promise you that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm literally just myself. I don't try to sugarcoat nothing. I, 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 people that watch the show, they see, I, I clap back at people, I clap back on my social media. So I, I appreciate having this reputation, but at the same time, I'm not trying to attain something that's not me, you know?
0: But don't you think that's that what people are attracted to now is the more, you know, we talk about reality and reality shows, but we always see people that aren't real on these shows or people that aren't real in their influencer lifestyle. And and mm-hmm. you're actually a real person. And I think people gravitate towards that because we know
3: when somebody's being real with us. I definitely, I appreciate it. I don't you say my influencer lifestyle. I I wouldn't say that because I don't post as much as like an influencer. No, <laughs> I mean the other bachelor contestants,
0: I mean the other <laughs> bachelor contestants where the joke is sometimes they get on this show and then it's like they're not, you know, quote unquote here for the right reasons and they oh, might be you, there for clout. Got you, got you. Got and you, you seem to be somebody that's actually doing something with it with your podcast, with your book, which I wanted to bring up. And you come from a military background. I mean, how does this even how does this even lifestyle, This is not something you could have ever planned on,
3: right? yeah, zero percent. Uh, also, I like I like to say I'm am a mentor of Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, I was just with my mentee. He just started ninth grade uh, this past week, so you know he's, we're trying to make sure he get on varsity football. Uh, so that's something that I'm, <laughs> that, you know that's 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 something that I'm big into. I don't post about it a lot on social because again, I don't need to post about stuff like that, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was in the Air Force. This. I was in the Air Force for eight years, you know, uh, served and overseas, uh, was deployed, you know, did all that good stuff, you know, served the country, and uh, no way on God's green earth was I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go from being an Air Force veteran <laughs> to being a reality TV superstar." That, that wasn't that wasn't in my plan. That wasn't in the horizon. But you know what they said? You want to tell God your uh, your dreams, He'll laugh. If you want to make God laugh, tell him what you're gonna do. So yeah, we're here.
0: Well, so I mean, so what is that like? I mean, your air uh, Air Force, you said eight years, I believe. And then, w- yeah. how do you even know to audition for The Bachelorette? How does this even come on your radar? I mean, I'm obviously you weren't looking for this, so who tells you about it in the first place?
3: Yeah, man. So uh, I was in a relationship. I, I love the woman dearly, like you know, you know, first love, love of my life thing. I'm married here, all this good stuff. Like, see the kids at the white picket fence and all that. And uh, we broke up after about a year of after about, I'll say about two years actually after the breakup. Uh, cause you know, as guys, it takes us longer to get over a love. Right. <laughs> and especially it, the first, the first love of yeah, your life too, man, is the like,
0: hardest. Cause you've never felt hurt like that before. And it only happens one time dude, in your life.
3: I, I'm glad you say that. Cause that, that shit hurt. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
3: but after I got over that, I remember being at work. I was a financial advisor when I left the air force and I was talking to my homeboy. I was like, bro. I want to be in a relationship. I want to, you know, the wife and kids. And he was, he started laughing. He was like, bro, what dude says that? Like he was, he seriously started laughing. He was like, what dude like actually says that? Like with no girls around, I'm like, bro. With no girls around. I love that. Who says that
0: with no, I I can understand saying that with girls around.
3: (laughs) Yeah. He's like, what dude said? I'm like, I genuinely want this, man. And, uh, after he was dying, laughing at me, uh, about six months later, he sent me a Facebook, uh, a Facebook link to a casting call for a show called the bachelor, uh, the bachelorette Shaw set. Yeah. And I was like, "Huh? You got nothing else to do today. And yeah, like literally I had nothing else to do today. So I, I went to the casting and again was myself. I wore a suit to the casting only because I'm a financial advisor and I wear a suit every day of the week. And, uh. War suit. I had a book with me, uh, how to win friends and influence people because I oh, like to Dale, read Dale 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 Carnegie, yeah. Yeah, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. I like to read. I thought it would be a long line, so I was kind of I thought I'd be bored, so I wanted to read something. And I was just myself, I was loud, rambunctious and just you know, fun. Now, uh,
0: you actually got cast on the show. You were on uh Hannah's season, which was a yeah. highly contested season. A lot of a lot of heavy, heavyweight people on that show in terms of the guys uh jpj was talking about this in terms of he definitely wasn't there for the right reasons and he just really loved hanging out with the guys it seems like there's like a weird camaraderie that happens did you feel the same way no nah. uh,
2: <laughs>
3: no no like I, I i understand what jpj is saying and and i love shout out to jpj um he's hilarious he, i just when i when you say his name all these thoughts come to my mind. Yeah, well, he definitely years. has his own lane. He's very a uh, different person. 100%. He's hilarious. I remember, you know, I'll tell you this, in regards to JPJ. When he came out, uh, when he came into the uh, into the mansion, I was like, whoa, this is a good-looking dude right here. And then JPJ opened his mouth, and I was like, oh, I don't got nothing to worry about. Because like, he's, <laughs> he's just hilarious. Like, There's no you don't get, you're not scared of JPJ. You just want to like hug on JPJ. If that makes yeah. sense. Right. He's just, he's just one of the homies.
0: I love the thought of the guys. That's what cracks me up about the show is the guys sizing up the other guys on the first night. And oh, yeah. they used to let the guys just drink to a band and where somebody falls over. And I know, I think in your season, you could only get like two drinks per hour or something uh, yeah. really highly regimented, but I still love, cause it's like I come from an acting background and going into auditions, you're kind of sizing the competition up, but I think that's super funny in terms of finding love of sizing up the competition, you know?
3: No, definitely. So it's it shouldn't be that way. And like the advice that I give to the people going on Bachelor in Paradise, I don't give a damn what another person looks like. It's just about the confidence that you exude and the energy that you bring. But we still are human beings and like I'm trying to see what these other fellas look like. You know, I'm trying to, you know, trying to check them out. And, say, okay, and you're man, competitive I- by nature too, I bet. So it's, it's a it's a natural thing. Because the first night, let's be honest, the very first night isn't about your personality because you only get like 20 minutes max with one person, right? So if, if Hannah, the lead on our season, if she's sending you home without even – some people shouldn't even get the chance to speak to. Yeah. You know, you just don't want to be sent home the first night. I would say that's the most competitive aspect just being sent home the first night. But then after that, to me it's a two-way street. Like I want to get to know this person as this person should want to get to know me. And I think that's what we were able to do in our season.
0: Um you definitely were was it uh was it amazing to you to find out all the feedback of everybody that wanted you to be the bachelor? Is that a nice feeling or is it frustrating when something like that doesn't happen?
3: Uh no, it's not frustrating because that wasn't nothing I even I didn't even bro when I tell you, I didn't even know there was a position to be had. I literally did not know nothing but about it. But that's this. good.
0: That means you're a real
3: like, person, you know? I Literally like, didn't even yeah. know there was a position to be had. But I will say what is annoying is, and I mean this with the utmost respect, right? Because I appreciate the fans that, you know, still want me to be that, in that position. I, I love that. But when I go on interviews, like I'm speaking with you, that's one of the questions everyone wants to ask. Yeah. And I never bring it up, right? But when the fans hear it, they're like, Oh, Mike's still talking about being the bachelor. I'm like, no, Oh, I'm not yeah. bringing it up. I'm just answering the question. <laughs> Everybody listening.
0: I, I want to make it very clear. I am. Cause every girl I've talked to about you coming on saying he should have been the bachelor. That's the first thing they said. And they say, ask him if he still would be the bachelor if they offered it to him. And I'm like, I think he's, he has a book and a pod. I think he's doing fine. I don't <laughs> think he needs, uh, I don't think he needs the bachelor uh, at this point, but I was, I was just thinking it, it's got to be cool to be a liked person no, rather than it's, a it's, villain, it's you know? it's
3: extremely rewarding that, you know, my homeboys from back in the hood could be like, wow, you're yourself and still likable by people, right? That's a, an amazing feeling. It just sucks when people are like, Mike, why are you still talking about trying to be The Bachelor? I'm like, I never <laughs> was like, I'm trying to be The Bachelor. Like, it's so annoying. That's the annoying part, well, just that people do- take... They take the, you know, as human beings, especially in this time of day and age, I do it myself. We take sound bites, right? Because we don't have time to hear the entirety. And I'm and that's why I'm 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 pretty hesitant to even speak of it now, because you ask the question. I'm gonna be respectful and answer the question, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. people want to hear. No, you're totally right.
0: I mean, um does being on the bachelorette uh, affect though relationships that you have. uh, I mean, like nobody's date dating life is as as exciting as the bachelorette or the bachelor. Like you don't come upon the woods to some like band playing and then you do a slow dance. Like (laughs) you do an awkward coffee date or something like that. Has this screwed up your dating life afterwards where everybody expects the most romantic thing out of you ever?
3: I, bro, if you, I wish you would know my dating past party going on the show. I, uh, I'll tell you the most recent thing that took place. I had a, a woman that I was dating exclusively for about six months uh, this past year, and I took her. I took her to Mexico for her birthday, and I took her on a hot air balloon flight. Right. Come to find out, on the Bachelor that was coming out, Matt James, they had Matt going a hot air balloon flight with, and I'm like, Yo, I did it before. <laughs> like I did it, you know, just for my girl at the time, just you know, because it was cool. I love, I. Let's just say it like this: I'm extremely selective, and if I choose and you choose to date, I'm gonna treat you to the world. Now, you know, I also do the the you know just go to the to to dinner dates as well. But like, if I'm dating you exclusively and trying to, you know, make something happen, oh, we're gonna go to Lake Como in Italy. We're gonna like do the whole nine. I'm gonna do it all.
0: Okay, Uh, for me, I'm just gonna do the coffee dates, everybody. But you're gonna do the whole nine. You could also at this point just hire Chris Harrison to follow you around on dates. And he could, you know, just step up in the middle of like, this is,
3: the end of the date, folks. Do you want to give I, out a I, rose right here? I, I wish I could afford Chris Harrison you know how much he probably would cost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, the most expensive cameo ever. Um, I know, right? <laughs> speaking of, uh, what well, do you, so your your podcast, which is amazing and what I love about it, folks, you got to go subscribe and hit the five-star button on Apple Podcasts immediately to rate and review it, but you guys actually have real conversations on there, you know? Yes. It, it's should. not just kind of fluff. I mean, you do hit some Bachelor stuff, definitely, but you spin off the conversation into actual issues and actual things that are out there happening, which I, I really appreciate. Was that the, the goal from the start? And why, why start a podcast, I guess?
3: No, that was 100% the goal from the start. I mean, we have these people. Let's talk about the, the bachelor aspect, because we do a like little sequence or a cadence, shall I say, of bachelor guests versus a guest outside of the franchise. And I, I my co-host and I adore that, Brian. The reason is because for the bachelor people, they don't get much time on the show. Like, as far as, like, screen time, to, you can you can say myself, when you see me on the show, all you see is my big-ass smile, right? Which <laughs> is cool, but, you know, I have an intelligent aspect as well, and more than just a brain. And so, with well, our guests, we get to dive deep into their history of what makes them who they are, the things that they've been through. I mean, we had tasha Adams' uh, fiancé, Zach Clark, on, who spoke about uh, his drug abuse, you know, who yeah, spoke about yeah, yeah. Him, him growing up in an extremely... Uh, affluent neighborhood and family and what took place for him to go in this position. And I love that because I want, you know, my mentee, you know, kids to hear this adults to hear this and say, wow, we're judging people, you know, by the things that they do and we're not supporting them for what they can become and what they can do. Right. And just real conversations, things that need to be had. We talk about it on our podcast. um, Like, uh, just, just very controversial things i almost said a few very controversial things for example we'll talk about uh the presidency we'll talk about abortion rights we'll talk about uh prenups we'll ta- like things that start arguments yeah you know
0: actual but it starts conversations too
3: you know yeah, like it, it elicits conversation absolutely
0: um yeah no that's what i i mean you can kind of tell right from the start but i like that it's enough of the bachelor stuff to kind of get you invested and then while you're there you can do something really good with it Uh, we gotta like you know
3: we gotta wean them in
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly just give them a little taste and then come back for more um also i want to draw attention to this book that you wrote making the love you want by mike johnson and uh i thought this was Amazing. So, the the description says is is a guide to leveling up our lives from the inside out through the practice of self love. So, what does that mean to you?
3: Yes. Uh, For me, leveling up is everything. Leveling up from the inside out. It's like I'm looking outside, I live in downtown Austin. They're building a 66 uh, residence skyscraper next to me. And if it wasn't for the structure, the exterior wouldn't matter at all. Right. And it's the same thing for us as human beings. I don't care you as an actor, I don't care, me as a personality, I don't care if it's Denzel Washington, Tom Cruise or Kate Beckinsale, we are all humans at the end of the day. And no matter how successful we may seem or how down we may seem, the happiness that we exude comes from within. And for me, I was, uh, this actually started prior to even going on uh, TV. I actually created a TV series called A More Sweet, four episodes about motherhood. I remember being on IG and there was this like little 8-year-old woman, 8-year-old girl, and she had a pair of scissors and she was looking like a Victoria's Secret magazine and she was trying to cut her stomach. Hmm. And that just hit me, man. I was like, wow, you know, I want to have a children one day if I have a daughter, you know, I have a daughter so be it. But I don't have children one day, and I would hate for my child to feel less because of what someone else looks like, and that starts with self, right? Like you said, we had a a great group of guys in our season. There were some guys on there that phenomenal physiques, right? I don't give a damn about their physique. Yes, I can admire and show respect to that. But at the same time, I know that I am just as good without having that physique. And that's what I teach in the book.
0: Well, I got to just ask you to be my life coach at this point and uh, and see what your rates are, because that's amazing. I've definitely got to get this book because that is one of the hardest things to teach yourself, I believe, is self-love. I think that is something that we all just, and you, I have a niece who's, uh, 12 years old and I get scared every time the thought of her going on Instagram now. It's crazy, bro. It comparing crazy. to some of the the women out there and just knowing that it's those aren't achievable, those are filters and those are a lot of different things uh, and growing up a nerd myself it was like trying to work on my personality to to <laughs> you know, to me anyways. Um that book you guys definitely have to check out. Uh I, I'm making him laugh a lot right now. So um but also Can you take us through, you you get off that season of The Bachelorette, you don't know, really know what's to come from it. How is that like to all of a sudden get all of these opportunities? Because I've seen it, I've coached Bachelor contestants as an acting coach, where all of a sudden they're getting auditions, they're getting opportunities, they have no idea what they're doing, but a lot of things are all of a sudden being handed to them. What was that experience like for you?
3: Uh, I'm happy that I'm older, because let's be honest, man, I went on the show at 31, if I were wanting to show at 21, I, <laughs> it would be a whole different story. Like, You'd be yeah. arrested. You'd be arrested. Yeah, I'd be yeah. getting arrested, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I was in the military, been around the world, you know, more mature, you know, wanting to show at 31 years old. So to me, it wasn't as big of a deal uh, in the sense of I, I'm structured, I'm sound, I know who I am. I have my group, my close circle around me that'll keep me in check. And so I had those things in place already. It is wild, you know, when you come through the airport. Let's say I came from Vegas and I'm hung over in an airplane, you know, and <laughs> if someone wants to take a picture. That's wild. You know, I appreciate it, but it's like, whoa, just so you know, my breath stinks right now. My, my hair is not, you know, in, like it needs to be. I'm not my best right now. And people don't care. They just want to like, you know, show you love. And so once I figured that out, that was no big deal. The, the other part is making sure, cause your phone gets blown up all the time. You know, I need to make sure, that I still keep my friends, you know, I hit them back. If they text me, I text them back, you know, within 24 hours or I call them back within 24 hours. That's to me the biggest thing because I don't want a friend to ever say Mike's changed, right? Oh, or Mike, Mike's acting different. So to me, that was the the biggest aspect and the biggest hurdle is just responding to people because like you said, you know, you get auditions left and right. You know, you got, you get money thrown at you left and right. You really, you really are opportunities, shall I say. And so it's about, managing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and then you seem like as somebody that actually is uh, manifesting and really has uh, a, maybe a clearer picture than most of what they want to do in this life. What is, what are those things for you? Like, are we going to see you on TV again soon? I mean, that was the other thing is that, you know, people were like, well, he, he's just the perfect host. He could be this, he could be that. What in your mind is what's next for you or what you are manifesting for the future?
3: I appreciate that. You know, I, I think Steve Harvey is like hilarious when I watch him on Family Feud. Watch um, out, Steve. I, My, Mike's nah, coming for you, Steve. Nowhere <laughs> near Steve. Lover. Dude is just amazing, right? Uh, honestly, what I look at is I want freedom. I legit, I'm about to move to Mexico for a few months because I want to learn Spanish. Uh, and, and I'm able to do that. Like I just said, I'm about to move to Mexico because I want to learn Spanish, right? And I have like real estate in play and I have, you know, um, cash flow coming in. And so that's like, The next, the next step is just you know get 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 my best friend. We could travel the world, and I learn another language. I learn some instrumentation, and you know we have some kiddos. And whatever happens, happens. (laughs)
0: Wait, well, I mean, at least can we do a reality show to help you find that best friend to take on Mexico? (laughs) I mean, we've got to find some way to get TV involved here. Like, I mean, that's. I mean, if
3: if obviously I'm not scared to be in front of the camera. You know, it's it's cool, it's fun, but. It's out of my control. I just focus on what I can not control. Yeah. You know, if that were to happen, best believe it, I'm gonna be the first one to, to dive deep in for it, you know, dive deep into it and take it, take advantage of it. But I just focus on what I can't control. What
0: kind of TV do you actually like to watch yourself?
3: Uh I'm re-watching Breaking Bad right now.
0: Uh, did you watch Better Call Saul <laughs> yet? Did you watch Better Call Saul? I
3: Uh, bro I haven't seen it yet you got it
0: because (laughs) it's it ties right into Breaking Bad at the end it's so good it's so good um but Breaking Bad did you see that movie that
3: they made though yeah yeah Al Camino I didn't like Al Camino though
0: it well it was just slower it would you know everybody would have loved it if it was just an actual episode of the show but they made it like a movie so you were expecting so much more from it you
3: know I would 100% agree with you there so I think like our expectation
0: yeah our expectations were like like to the ceiling um My point, though, was that, like, would you, I always find it interesting, would you watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette on your own? Because I'm an outlier in the fact that I'm a straight dude that likes these shows, which is weird. I understand that. But would you watch these shows without ever having been on it? Uh, No. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So
3: that's no (laughs) offense to nobody whatsoever. That's just... It is what it is. It is what
2: it is.
0: <laughs> so what cracks me up though is that now you have to be asked about every one of these shows. Like <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise just premiered this week, and you probably had to watch it, right?
3: <laughs> uh, I, I I know a lot of what happens. I'll say okay, like so you that.
0: don't even why you. You just know. Well, I got <laughs> the only reason you had grocery store. Happens. Grocery store Joe was on your show this week, guys. This week, and. Your boy grocery store Joe, it was very it was a sad showing for him. He melted down. It felt like he was just walking sullenly on the beach. He was taking it way too serious. Like I felt really bad for grocery store Joe.
3: I mean, but Joe is he's we're the same age, he's a little bit older than I am. He's 34. He just got out of a serious relationship. And you know, at this point in time, we're Joe, myself, my co-host Brian, we're not caring for more IG followers. I mean, if it happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cool. But if it doesn't, that's also cool. Like, we want the real thing. You know, we've, we've been around, we've done this and that. You know, I got the barbershop talk with the homies as well. I can have that talk, right? Now it's about like building the legacy with someone else. Uh, because, as you would know, if we have that right person, we our potential is only gonna go like this, right? And so, I mean, so he's like, taking
0: this, but that's what I'm saying. He's taking this right way, way too serious because I'm I like grocery store, Joe, you're not. I mean, none of these relationships usually end up really lasting for the long, long haul. So don't sweat it. Grocery store, Joe, you're going to be great. You're a great guy. And he's acting like he's an old dude. He's only like 33 or 34 years old. And he had to tell some lady who's like 23 that she <sighs> like that. He acted like he was like father time or something. And I was like, dude, you're so young. You're going to be right, you,
3: dude. I completely agree with you there except in the bachelor world his ass is old. Like, <laughs> in the bachelor it's world It's like
0: a pro football player that has to retire cuz he gets CTE yeah.
3: or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. I got pro I got homies that are in the NFL that are retired at 28. <laughs> and and they're like, "I'm old." I'm like, "I mean, <laughs> you're really not at all. You're still in your 20s, bro." Like That's you're what super I'm saying. young. I'm like But in their world, like LeBron James is old as hell, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not in real life, but in the NBA Dude's been playing. He's about—he's like, 37 years old this year, right? Yeah. Uh, he is phenomenal. You know, Father Tom catches up to everyone, though, right? But we take him out of the NBA. He's just a regular age, you know? So, yeah. and, and I feel for Joe because in, and it's like Chris Bukowski. You know, he's a, a, a year older than me. Only a year older than me, but he's because people call him Grandpa. And I'm like, I was on this show, Bachelor of Paradise, two years ago. I'm now Chris's age when he was on there. <laughs> You know, so now I'm that old guy, right? So I feel like I'm young, grocery store Joe feels like he's young, but when you're on that show, you got these 23 year olds, you know, they crack jokes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I just, I just felt bad. and I was like, this guy's melting down. And then finally at the end, this younger girl liked him, but he felt like it was, I felt like he was like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. I'm like, dude, you're emo- you're ah. You're better than everybody here. Just get off that Island. Now <laughs> it's, get hurting off that your, island. it's hurting your mentality, you know, but um, you did bachelor island. in paradise. What was the <laughs> difference between shooting the bachelorette and then, and also how wrapped up in the bachelorette did you get where, did it psychologically hurt you at all? Because sometimes you see these guys, they get off and they're crying in the limo. And then I'm like, are they going to be yeah, okay no. after this? Like how, how is you know, that for you?
3: You know, what's funny. Uh, Wells Adams, I love Wells. He's a great guy, but he says something about me. And I, I always give him crap for it. He said, uh, Mike isn't ready to be the bachelor because he isn't emotional enough. And I was like, Wells, you're tripping because like I've dealt with, you know, being shot at, right. I've dealt with, Holding dead family members. You know, I've dealt with real life things to where this minuscule stuff, I'm not gonna cry over this, right? I'm gonna cry when you know something serious. And I didn't cry when I left the show. That I'm not saying that to be like macho man, it just, I just didn't cry. It, it just, yeah, I just didn't cry, you know. Um, I would cry like if it's like I'm not holding back to serious. I mean, you can ask my ex, I cry like a little baby, right? And so it's funny that you said that because
0: I I have your ex coming on later today. So we're, we're going to ask her that. So
3: (laughs) (laughs) ask her, ask her, ask her. Hey, I'm not scared. I think my all my exes uh, and I are, are, I would say, are in good standing with one Yeah,
0: because you're a good guy. You actually seem like you care <laughs> about people. But that, so, yeah. so you went out of there, like, that experience, it seems like they put you in this bubble where they're trying to get emotions brewed up and feelings really at their peak, when in reality, relationships sometimes, I mean, usually most of the times don't work like that at all. So yeah. they get these guys or girls just so tripped out of, like, this is the only thing to focus on, and I think they take away your phones and everything. Hey, they do a good job.
3: Job of that they do a really yeah. good job of that you don't you don't you don't see think of nothing else except for I'm trying to get with this girl I'm trying to get with this guy get with this person yeah and that's it uh paradise to me was honestly not as fun as the going on the bachelorette it just why? wasn't for me uh the reason why probably because it was so damn hot man yeah oh, <laughs> so hot out there on that beach
2: Yeah, you
3: know? <laughs> outside of the heat I don't know I just I just found, and I know I'm not the only one that has said this either. Some other couple well, other fellows felt this way as well. It's just different—a different camaraderie different when you're in the mansion. Yeah, I, I really well, don't really know how to explain it.
0: I wonder if like walls do that, and open spaces make it harder to—I I don't know. I wonder what it maybe, is. Maybe or... maybe
3: because the ocean is right there, and you can't jump in the ocean because of, you know liability issues. You got your microphones on. Oh, is you that true? Like, oh
0: yeah, you probably can't, right? You can't. Yeah, just, you like, can't jump in it.
3: Oh, you can't just—it's not complete, 100. percent freedom, right? You still got to, you know, make sure that the mic stays safe and things yeah. of that nature. You don't, you don't get drunk and jump in the water and then get dumb ass drowns, you know, you got to be smart. Right. And so uh, for me, I just found that the going on The Bachelorette, I liked it. Now that's my perspective, but you see how I ended up. If my wifey was on there and I think I'm married and happily married, I'm going to tell you, that paradise is everything, right? You know? <laughs> I, like I was just with Dylan and Hannah, uh Hannah G the other week, and they met on Paradise. It's been two years. Yeah. They would tell you it's a 10 times better show because they found each other on that show.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and t- you're, you're totally right about that. Um, so Bachelor in Paradise, you do that. Um, then it seems like, or, or from my outside perspective, you become a part of quote unquote bachelor nation. And sometimes I feel like are you guys, and I know this doesn't seem to be you, but it seems like a lot of them are just required to date within Bachelor Nation Circle. Like it almost like there was one dude that went to stage and he hooked up with like three Bachelor girls in one day. And I'm like, is the pressure, are you guys on one big text thread? And it's like, everybody's just like, is there a requirement or something? Because it seems like they don't realize other people are out there in the world at a certain point.
3: You know, I try to, I try not to date Bachelor girls and there's nothing against Bachelor women. I think a couple of them, are absolutely a 10 in my eyes but i'm not gonna say who but i try not to <laughs> i try to i try not to date bachelor girls just because if i were to date a bachelor girl i'm gonna make sure like i'm, I'm gonna try to be as precise as possible everything is going to go the like that i want her for the long run that i'm gonna choose her for the long run just because there people want to ask her questions people want to ask me questions i, I try to date outside i mean there's a you know, God has blessed us with a beautiful world of women out there and beautiful world of men out there. So I'll try to date outside.
0: Um, I think that's the really smart thing to do because yeah. <laughs> and also eventually, if you don't have abs, that'll work better. Because that's nation, it feels like you have to have abs as well. And it's like you have
3: to have abs. There needs to you be
0: representation
3: to. <laughs> for more guys like
0: me without abs and stuff of like that would be a cool thing to do.
3: Um we have we have those guys. I was just talking to a couple of the guys there, you know, they were- <laughs>
0: Please let well, me know who doesn't have abs please you know I-
3: we, we got a couple of the homies that don't have abs you know they're doing their <laughs> thing as well um a couple Look, serious seth questions. rogan seth rogan did it best you don't have to have zach efron's body have yeah. seth rogan's personality and there you go no
0: i'm gonna quote you on that I, that's who actually going up on the vision board um uh <laughs> a couple serious questions and then we'll we'll start wrapping up is uh, Chris Harrison has always said a lot of nice things about you. What was that like that experience? I mean, what did, I guess, what is your opinion of uh, him being removed and and they're actually trying new hosts. And I think Tasha and uh, they did, they did great, but what was your opinion on that whole situation?
3: Yeah. I've spoken about my opinion on, uh, on a Chris thing. I think that to me individually, he's always, you know, shown respect and uh, shown love and, you know, been like, you know, our banter is really good. He likes to, you know, make fun of people. like he, he, Cracks jokes on you like a big brother would. And uh, I do the same back. So he's always been uh, a great individual to me individually. The things that he said, I completely disagree with. And I think that, you know, he put ABC in a precarious situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Uh, And the thing that I think I I was, I got interviewed for a Teen Vogue magazine article. uh, Yeah, Teen Vogue guys. And and talking about The (laughs) Bachelorette and talking about social issues and things like that and how The Bachelor and Bachelorette um, franchises are starting to face those a little bit more. In fact, uh, you know, with Taysha, they dealt with issues in a small way about like drug addiction, Black Lives Matter. And it might be in a small sense, but they're actually talking about these issues. Do you think the franchise is handling these things? Well, do you, are you happy that they are starting to talk about these real life issues kind of like you are on your podcast?
3: Yes. Uh, I think about if I was the leader of the show, I'm if I'm trying to be with somebody, I have to have fun with them. I have to be playful with them, but then when some, you know, some serious things occur, I need to make sure that we're on the same side of the coin, you know, and, or that we could at least have a, a level of a respect for one another to be able to talk about that you know and so without having those conversations like if i if i were in that position i'm gonna talk about logistics as well i live in texas you live here you know we got to talk about real practical things uh you know i am very much a component of black lives matter we got to talk about those things right and so i'm a veteran you know it's been eight years in the air force so therefore i may have a different sight of what i see you know I've been to war, you know, I've seen these things. And so I may have a different perspective on how things are going to go. And so I think that the show has done a great job uh, lately in regards to, you know, sprinkling these real life topics onto it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do too. I think it's actually nice to watch a a big budget uh, show on, on, like TV that hits every house in the nation, potentially face these issues that are actually happening in the real world. I think you can do both. And and sometimes it might be bumpy, but I appreciate the effort of any of these shows when they don't have to do that
3: at all. Yeah. Uh, I think about shows there, there's a few shows out there uh, that are doing a great job of, you know, showing inclusion from uh, race to classism to uh, weight you know, and so I got you right there, baby. And so, you know, we want to make sure <laughs> we just want to make sure that we show representative of America, right? We want to see everybody Want to see yeah. all walks of life, all shades. That's why I think one of the producers were like, Mike, I think you're the first guy to ever wear a do-rag on TV or like on their show on their channel. And I'm like, this is reality TV. You know, I find my wife. we go to sleep together. I'm gonna wear my do-rag at night. So
0: yeah. You know, I mean, it's it the reality it of that situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um So uh, as we start closing up um your book, what would it actually just be one or a couple small, t- like how, how do you even start to learn to love yourself? Like what are, do you give any kind of practical approaches to what we need to be doing?
3: Yes. The beauty of how I wrote my book was that you can skip, right. And go directly to the mantra that you desire, go directly to the exercise that you desire. So I I put those things in the book and I put quotes, not from just like scholars, but like real life people. I put Lady Gaga, a quote from her in my book. I put Mac Miller, you know, I put Kobe Bryant, you know, Nipsey Hussle. And so you could go directly to these quotes you can read these mantras. You can read these exercises that are very small, uh, very digestible for you to get through that day, uh, get through that hour, get through that meeting, get through that week.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, as we uh, as we end now, uh, uh, a lot of people wanted me to ask you what your phone number was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're willing to give that out. Eight
3: one seven.
0: No, 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 no. And uh, I always ask, this, what uh, what what's the what's the rest of your day look? What what are you what are you doing after this?
3: Uh, what I'm doing after today or after this? I'm gonna go after to the this. post office. Mail off some books that I autograph. And then I have to go to the gym and then I have to, cause you know, we got to keep the abs. And then I have to, I'm recording our podcast. And then I'm looking at a quadruplex. Wait, wait, what's a quadruplex? A quad, you know, like uh, a little small apartment unit. Oh, a four okay. Piece, a four, a awesome. fourplex.
0: Wow. Well, stars, they're just like us, folks, except for that quadruplex thing. Um, Mike Johnson, you really are. uh, You are awesome. Uh, Everybody said you were the best guy, and it seems like you really are the best guy. Um, The podcast, you guys, comes out on every Monday. Is that correct?
3: Yes, sir. Every single Monday, 1 a.m.
0: I'm telling you guys, uh, talking it out is a great one. It is not your normal podcast. It is w- worth your time to go subscribe and check it out. All of the episodes are free, but go support. And also uh, I'm going to put his Instagram on there as well. And the link to his book, is there anything else that we can do to, to support Mike? Uh,
3: think about joining big brothers, big sisters, become a mentor. Yeah,
0: actually. How, how do you, how did you join? Like, What, what was the process for
3: that? You just go to BBBS.org
0: bbs.org. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to do that, actually. So guys, that is totally worthwhile of your time as well. But uh, Mike Johnson, thank you so much for being here today.
3: Thank you, man. Have a great day.